0: Are you ready for the word today? Yeah, yeah amen. A couple things, one, I'm gonna pause the Kingdom of God series till next week. We're gonna jump back into the Kingdom of God. I'm gonna be going back and revisiting some of the mountaintop of influence conversation that we had a few weeks ago. I'm gonna do that again next week in in and expound on that. So I wanna kind of give you some idea of where we're headed next week. Today, I wanted to carve out a specific message based on the current reality of what we're facing. The other thing is, I wanna remind you that this is the last week to register to vote. And so if you have not done that yet, we are so grateful for the privilege of voting here in our country. And we wanna make sure that if you've just moved into the area and you've not gotten those things sorted out, please go ahead, get yourself registered so that we can vote and let us vote according to the Lord's scriptures, amen? Amen? We're grateful for that opportunity. So all this housekeeping and business stuff, and I'm very grateful that we have a church that is so generous, that loves people, Um, That's what we want you to feel today. We want you to feel today that you are well-loved in this family. It's a big, big campus and we don't want anyone to get lost in this. If you know the hearts of your leadership and the hearts of the people here, we so want to be available and to be ready to help, not just in a physical storm, but also in life storms, which is what I want to talk to you about today. The storms of life and what happens after the storm. And so. First of all, I want to make a comment. Is it extra cold in here to anybody else? I was freezing down there. So here's what I need you to do. If, you, if you're by your spouse, I need you to do the yawn thing and put your arm around your sweetheart. If you're hoping that person becomes your sweetheart, don't do anything. <laughs> just pray, okay? Pray passionately right now. But uh, man, whew, it's a little brisk in here. But that's all right let's get the blood flowing because we're ready to hear the word and let faith rise amen i want to talk to you about storms here's the deal about storms storms don't have to have wind and rain storms can come in our life in all shapes and sizes storms can be a health episode storms can be a divorce storms can be a lost job storms can be a broken heart or a broken spirit who knows but storms come but i want you to know something In the Scripture. So many times when storms come, we see on the other side of that storm some of the greatest revivals and breakthroughs and fulfillments of promises than we see other places of Scripture. Storms, and it's amazing, it seems like the more intense the storm, what the devil doesn't realize, because he never learns, The greater the intensity of a storm, the greater the testimony on the other side of that storm. So if he's increasing the storm, then he doesn't realize he's actually increasing your testimony. Come on now. He's increasing the hope that's going to rise when that story is told. Because here's the thing, the storm will pass and you're going to be standing. The storm will pass and you will still be standing and we will see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you have them today, to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24. After the storm, the Bible tells us in verse 24, Jesus' teaching, he says, "...anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and waters rise and winds beat against the house, it will not collapse, because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I want to talk to you today about storms after the storm. A couple of things. One, when the floods rise and the winds beat against the house, you see that in both of these instances, these two houses experience storms. You might ask, what causes the house to fall? And some would say, it's the storm. It's not the storm. It's the foundation. Amen. Because yes. the same storm beat against both houses, but the life that was built on the word of God, the promises of God, the teachings of Jesus, the example of Jesus, your life, your life will last and succeed and overcome that storm. You might say, Pastor Kevin, my house did flood and my furniture did wash away and my car did, you know, so what do you mean? It said it, said it, it won't. It won't. Listen to me. Your stuff is not the house. You are the house. You understand that? This promise is not about things. Sometimes in life, things do get washed away with trouble, but you do not get washed away. Do not make the reality of your life the things that you own. Things are temporal. Things are perishable. You will outlast. See, this house isn't talking about your physical house, because here's the deal. Even if your physical house does get washed away, you are still standing and God will help you rebuild. Amen. God will help you rebuild. And it's important that we don't see our life and we don't see ourselves as our things. It's also important in this, in this passage here that we realize that storms hit both the just and the unjust. It's a big deal because sometimes we think, hey, I'm a child of God and, and God loves me, and all of that is true. But we think that that sometimes exempts us from trouble, and it doesn't exempt us from trouble, because we live in a fallen world. Come on. We live in a system and a planet that we've done things to, and that we do things to each other, and pain is caused by people's choice, which God gives us a free will. We are not exempt from trouble. We are not exempt from pressure. We are not exempt from attacks of the enemy but you will be standing when it's over, and you will have a testimony, and you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of that testimony. And this life, no matter how comfortable or how much we want to keep it comfortable, is still but a vapor, and it's still passing away. And you, my friend, are eternal. Amen. And I want to encourage you that if you're going through a storm or if you've had a storm or in trouble, that you're in good company because every person on this planet has gone through trouble and storms. Even Jesus went through storms. Come on now. Some of the greatest storms in the Bible were surrounding men and women of God who were faithful, who were obedient, whom God loved, who said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and yet they still find themselves in a storm. They're out (laughs) preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and they still find themselves in a storm, floating in the deep. Are you understanding this? The apostle Paul, Jesus, we sit there and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought if I was doing everything right, I wouldn't have trouble, I wouldn't be in a storm. That's not Bible. The Bible says is this, when storms do come, you'll you'll keep standing, and there'll be a testimony on the other side. The enemy will not win, and he will not break you, amen greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Your house is not you. You are not that building. You did not build your life on things that can be swept away or stolen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. That's why the Bible tells us, don't store up treasures here on the earth where moths eat them, rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, thieves do not break in and steal, and I can add, and hurricanes cannot wash away. Amen. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will be also. It's nothing wrong with things. It's nice to have things. But please do not make your life about those things. And do not see the loss of things as being the loss of your life. Amen. You have not been swept away by that storm. You have built your house. You have built your life on God and his promises. And God will work all things together. Romans chapter 8, 28. And we know. Say we know. We know. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to his purposes for them. We do not believe God causes all things, but we do believe God knows how to take those things and work them into some sort of testimony for good, to somehow advance the mission and the call and ministry of God through your life. Amen. How many of you believe that? How many of you have seen that happen? Raise your hand. Where something, maybe not a hurricane, maybe the hurricane, but you've seen it happen. You've seen something interrupt your life, interrupt your comfort. You thought it was going to sweep you away. The emotion was there. You felt this was the end. This, Like I said, it could have been a health episode. It could have been a loss of a job. It could have been who knows what going bankrupt. People have done, all all these things have happened. And in that moment, you felt like that was the end. But now, after going through it, you can say on the other side, you can look back and see how God took something that you thought was the end, and he created a whole new beginning. And he, above and beyond, blessed you beyond all you could ask or think. How many of you, now I'm not just trying to be spiritual here, how many of you really can say, you've gone through storms, things have been lost, You thought it was the end, but here you are on the other side of that thing, and you can see the good that God brought out of that. I want you to raise your hand boldly and to give encouragement to the people around you. Look at the hands. If God did it for us, He's going to do it for you. Amen. He is a faithful God. Amen. The anxiety comes in because we don't know how He's going to do it. We don't know the timeline of how it's going to happen. But God always does what He said. He is faithful, He is faithful. He will cause everything to work together for good for those who love God. I remember one time when we were planning our church back in Illinois, um, we had, it was just this little ugly little building in the middle of a soybean field. It was a very small little property. And we had this sign and the name of the church was Maranatha, right? And it had this flaming dove on the sign. It wasn't really my thing. Um, And we changed the church to Life Church. And we didn't have the money, because we were a small church, um, to change that sign. It was the light-up sign, right? Those are expensive. And I didn't, even when I shared about the church to people, I'd be like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from the church down the road called Maranatha. And people who don't know church have no idea what Maranatha means. And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it means rejoice. Lord, come quickly. And they're like, okay and uh, the Lord had just put it in our hearts to change the name of the church to Life Church, but we didn't have the money to fix the sign. But one night, a group of young people decided to have some fun, and their fun was throwing rocks at our sign. And they just destroyed our sign. The next morning, I saw it destroyed, and I was like, hallelujah! (laughs) Because we didn't have the money to replace that sign. But bless God for those little ruffians. Amen. And we tore that sign down and we put up a sign with our new name on it and we had a new beginning. God causes all things to work together for good. I know that's a simple, funny little story, but you have no idea what's about to take place. You have no idea the miracle that's in front of you. You have no idea the testimony that's being shaped right in front of you and in front of your kids and in front of your grandkids so you can teach them how to worship God in a storm, how not to fall apart, how not to curse God and die, but how to keep standing. Come on now. And we pass that through the generations. Because storms are going to be here. While we're in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart. He's overcome it. Amen. Like I said, not all storms are water-based. It can be health events, relational storms, loss of jobs. Even in the country, we can have wars and rumors of wars, economic recessions, all these things. But all these things can go on, and God can still provide and and produce his promises in your life. The kingdom of God is not subject to the current realities of this realm. And you're connected to the kingdom. I want to talk to you quickly about two storms. Two storms, just to give you some perspective of what I say. Mark chapter four, open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter four. Are you getting anything out of this so far? I wanna show you in scripture what I spoke in the beginning. After storms, some of the biggest breakthroughs, some of the biggest moves of God happen after great storms. That's not me just being a preacher. I'm gonna share with you in scripture where those things can be seen. And in other places as well, but I'm only gonna share with you two. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening was come, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I want you to underline that in your, script, in your Bibles, if you would. Jesus says, let us cross the other side of the lake. Why do I say that? Because the Lord had declared purpose. The Lord had declared vision and mission. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus, God in the flesh, declared we're getting to the other side. Come on. He said we're crossing over to the other side of the lake. He didn't say we're going to die halfway. He said our mission, our purpose, our mandate is to get to the other side of the lake. That's where we're going. God, Jesus, God, had declared it. But what he didn't tell the disciples was the storm in the middle. Come on. But you see, he wasn't worried about the storm in the middle because God's purposes will prevail. Somebody get excited about that because God's purposes will prevail. He's not distracted by the storm. He's not concerned with the storm. Storms are gonna come because he had already declared the end from the beginning. Come on. And God has told you what his plans are for your life. He's told you what his mission and purposes are for your life. And it doesn't matter what storms arise, God's word, God's purposes will prevail. And so you can, like Jesus, sleep and be at peace in the middle of the storm, but please do not begin to confess that that storm is gonna take you out. That somehow that storm is greater than the mission and mandate of God pronounced over your life. Are you understanding this, church? Jesus didn't mention the storm to the disciples, maybe because he was gonna test them, or maybe because he just didn't think it was that big of a deal. He is God. I believe he knew the storm was coming. Amen. So he says, let's cross to the other side. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowd behind, uh, and other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. Some of your translations say, suddenly a storm arose. You know, that's the way it is in life, isn't it? Everything's looking great, and then suddenly... A storm of a health episode arises. Suddenly, the loss of a job. Suddenly, the economy tanks. Suddenly, a storm comes. Amen. It happens. It happened to Jesus, God's beloved Son. Come on, you got to see this. God didn't stop loving Jesus because he was in a storm. And God's mission and mandate hadn't changed because he was in a storm. You're in a world that has storms. Amen. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. That's why I told you, you could be like Jesus. Jesus went to sleep, even in the middle of the storm. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. His head was on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? See, they forgot that the Son of God had said, We're getting to the other side. And they began to see the storm and to think their destiny was to drown. But God had already told them what their destiny was. God already told them what his will was. And no storm is gonna remove the will of God over your life. Amen. This is good preaching, yeah, so good. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind And he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why were you afraid? Do you have so little faith? I believe that was the question about what he had said before they left. Didn't I tell you we were going to get to the other side? Why do you have so little faith in what I told you? And the storm stopped. Now, if you move on, into chapter 5, you'll find out that they crossed the lake, made it through the storm, and they were met by an individual possessed by thousands of demons. We're not going to get into the entire narrative there, but this man comes out of the caves who'd been wandering among them, cutting himself, trying to die, and we find out later that he is known as Legion. Legion it's kind of a reference possibly to a Roman legion at that time, because he says I'm legion because there's many, a lot of demons in here. And a legion could be anywhere between 1,000, 2,000 demons, 2,000 soldiers in a, in a Roman legion. That's a lot of demons. One, I think, is plenty. <laughs> but listen, what I'm trying to help you understand here is this that on the other side of that storm was a testimony about to happen. On the other side of that storm, there was someone else in need and Jesus was bringing the solution to that need. How many times in the middle of our storm we just focus on our own need and we forget that if you quit now, there are other people that need you to make it through that storm. Your kids need you to make it through that storm. Your grandkids need you to make it through that storm. People at work need you to make it through that storm. There's other people in this world other than us. And you're carrying the kingdom of God. And they need you to make it through that storm. You know, I believe, personally believe, you don't have to believe me on this, it's my personal belief. I believe the storm that arose suddenly in Jesus' life in that moment was spiritually animated. It was a spiritual attack because what Jesus did was he actually rebuked, like he would a demon, he rebuked that storm. I think there are spiritual warfare storms that come up in our lives that aren't just natural, that are not just, hey, it just is what it is, but there are strategies of the devil because the devil knows and sees the hand and plan of God on your life, and he begins to orchestrate things. You say, Pastor Kevin, you believe in a devil. That's so silly. I believe in the devil because Jesus believed in the devil, and because my Bible preaches there is a devil. And you can ignore him all you want. That doesn't make him go away. And he is happy with you believing he doesn't exist. There's a lot of preaching in there, in there, isn't there? But listen, if you don't understand that there is such thing as spiritual warfare, if you don't understand that certain storms do come being energized by a demonic attack and strategy to sidetrack you, then you begin to just war in the natural. You begin to think it's just natural rather than taking your authority, taking your position as a child of God and begin to give the, give the enemy back the battle. because we can let him push us around so much, it's time that we turn and start pushing back. Amen. And so Jesus rebuked that storm, but on the other side of that storm was this man that had been bound, that had been oppressed, possessed, all the things with thousands of demons. When Jesus delivers this man in chapter 5, and he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind, the man wants to go follow Jesus. You can read it in your Bibles later today. And Jesus says, no, I need you to stay here, and I want you to go testify of what the Lord has done. And you know what that man did? The Bible tells us that he went and he began to preach the good news in his testimony to the Decapolis, which is 10 cities. So this man became an evangelist to bring revival and breakthrough to 10 cities. No wonder the devil wanted to stop the mission. And the next time Jesus comes back to that area, he's received. I believe it's because of that man's testimony. The first time Jesus landed there, they said, go away, you killed all of our pigs. But give that new testimony time to work, the next time Jesus comes back through, they receive him and ready to listen. Are you understanding this, church? You don't understand sometimes in the middle of the storm that the storm isn't always about you. The storm is about stopping the mission, stopping the mandate, but we forget who we are and we forget your significance in the earth and these storms are trying to distract you, trying to get you to quit, trying to get you to come out of agreement with God, trying to get you to put all your energy into just this moment rather than throwing your faith past that moment. That storm, whatever it is, will pass. Will pass. Amen. That storm was trying to stop the calling, the mission, the purpose, but it couldn't. Similarly, in Acts 27, go to Acts 27. This is my second example, Acts 27. Here we have the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. The interesting one about this storm, and you can read through, it's a couple chapters long. It's 27 and it goes into 28. But here, the Apostle Paul is imprisoned, and he's on a journey to Rome. And the ship that he's on is already suffering a few minor storms, and they finally get some refuge and peace. And Paul tells them, he tells them, if we go sailing again, there's gonna be great loss. But the next day looked beautiful. So the captain and the rest of the group said, we're gonna sail. (laughs) And so they set off. And once again, this massive storm comes. And Paul prays, and God tells him that they're gonna lose the ship, they're gonna lose all the cargo, but he'll spare their lives. And here's what I wanna bring up in this storm. Sometimes storms arise in our lives because of other people's choices. Come on now. It's one thing about spiritual attack and spiritual weaponry, but sometimes other people just didn't listen. And sometimes we're touched by the consequences of their disobedience, sin, ignorance, rebellion, whatever that might be. Has anyone ever experienced anything like that before? Here, let me say it another way. You could, you could probably remember times in your mind, you said if they just would have listened to me. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Well, the Apostle Paul, actually, he kind of did throw that in there. If you read the chapter, he's like, I told you. (laughs) So hey, even the most spiritual among us, sometimes there's a moment where it's like, I told you. If you just would have listened. But they lost everything. They lost the boat. They lost the cargo. But again, again, They land on Malta, this island. And on this island, there's a chief, and this chief is sick. And Paul is shipwrecked on this island. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The storm actually helped him get to a place where testimony and revival and mission would happen? Yeah, the storm actually maneuvered him into a place that he wouldn't have gone. Come on now. To meet a man he wouldn't have met who needed him, but he didn't even know he needed him. Come on. So this storm actually ended up helping the kingdom. Not that God caused it, because Paul already warned him we shouldn't do this, but even other people's choices that cause you storm can be turned. Come on. Too good. And this chief gets healed, gives his life, Paul preaches the gospel, he gives his life to the Lord, and the whole tribe comes out, and they all start getting delivered, and they all start getting healed, and they all start giving their hearts to Christ. Isn't that awesome? Out of a mess, a loss of property, come on, hear that, hear that, a loss of stuff, a loss of things. They lost their things, but the mission prevailed. The testimony, the kingdom kept going. Amen. Amen. And that storm actually maneuvered him into position to bring Jesus to someone he never would have seen. My friends, storms and difficulties do not define you. Storms and difficulties do not define you. Your choices and your courage in the middle of these storms define you. What you do right now in the middle of a storm. That's what's creating it. Amen. That's, that's what defines you right now. And again, we're, we're kind of in the middle of this setting with a hurricane. Some of you were touched by the physical hurricane, but many of us, all of us in life at some point will experience some storms or hurricanes that arise suddenly. And they touch your property, they touch your finances, they touch your health, they touch your relationships and these storms. It's what we choose to do in the middle of those moments that define us. Amen. The fact you came to church today, praise God. You just, you just, amen, you just put such, we were, I was talking with Doug, uh, Doug Joseph today, we were talking about roots going deep. You just threw a deep root down into the ground when you chose to come in the middle of a storm, and you chose not to get blown away, and you said, I'm gonna to go to the house of God, I'm gonna throw my hands up in the air, and I'm gonna praise. Some of you that are at home, you're like, I couldn't make it, my car is underwater. But you're there watching right now, and you're praising God in your living room, and you're tuned in right now. That's throwing roots down deep. You're not living a shallow Christian life. These moments create us, these moments shape us. Amen. What we choose to do in these moments, I should say, shape us, define us create us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I heard someone say one time, you don't grow in comfort. Come on. Sitting in an easy chair, eating nachos, you may grow, but it's not muscle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't grow in comfort. You grow in times of stress. You grow in pressure. You grow through making right choices. Amen. During these times do not let this storm or any storm of life become your identity. Please, your identity is in Christ. You're a son and daughter of God. Amen. Cancer is not your identity. Poverty is not your identity. A hurricane and the fact that you lost things, do not let that be your, 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 your identity, your, your name. Your name is child of God. Amen. Do you see the difference? Sometimes people become the problem they're in. It becomes everything they know. That becomes all they think. That becomes all they say and speak. That's, That's the way they see themselves. They don't see themselves as a child of God, on mission, on assignment. Are you hearing me? Listen to me. Goliath was not David's identity but it did set him up to launch him into his calling. Whatever giant, I could say it that way, whatever giant you're facing, that is not your life's battle. It's just one, one opportunity in this world. Are you hearing me? We make, it, we make our whole life about that thing, but your life is about God's calling, is about your identity in Christ, about his mission and purpose, and I wanna bring you up, out of that moment and allow you to see something bigger and beyond because we get, we get caught into the battle as if this battle is all there ever will be. It is not all there ever will be. And it is not your identity. Your identity is child of God. That mission, that calling is still on your life. Amen. Do not let this storm become your identity or your excuse or reason to give up. Don't give up. Don't let the storm have that much power. Don't let this moment have that much power. Amen. Your identity is child of God. And because you are loved by God, you will make it through this time. You will overcome this adversity. You will fulfill the mission and purpose of God over your life. Too many times people say, well, once this storm passes, I'll get back involved again in the mission. Then we're actually creating a scenario where all the devil has to do is keep creating emergencies to always keep you off calling. Did you hear what I just said? If you take on the posture of as soon as this storm passes, then I'll get on with the call. I'll get on with the mission. I'll start serving again. I'll start preaching again. I'll start inviting people to church again. I'll start praying with people. Once I get over what I'm going through, then I'll start then all the devil has to do is keep lighting fires in your life to keep you off mission. But what if in the middle of the furnace, what if in the middle of the storm, you're still reaching your hand out towards the people that God's called you to? What if in the middle of your own pain, in the middle of your own need, in the middle of your own loss, you're still praying for others who need healing, who need provision? Are you hearing me? That's good Christianity right there. Amen. Keep pressing towards the calling and the mission of God in your life and even if in the middle of it, you end up going home to be with Jesus, then praise God, you know what I'm saying? Then you cross the finish line running rather than sitting and just waiting. Are you hearing me? Because the real you, I said this a few weeks ago, the real you is not this body. The real you is the part that's made in the image of God. And even if this body falls, it will fall off one day. Here's, what, here's this isn't to be negative, but 100% of us, if the Lord doesn't return, will die. At some point, this body will fall off and we will cross that finish line, praise God. So please, don't live a life that you're sitting here just waiting for everything to be perfect before you get on with the call of God on your life the mission of God on your life. There's gonna be giants, there's gonna be storms, those things, but those things are not your life. They're not, your, they're not the totality of your life. Your life is the call of God, the mission, the purpose, the mandate, the dreams that God's put in your heart. Those things, were are trying to distract you, trying to intimidate you, but they will not defeat you. Amen. I do wanna to say today to those who are going through a storm, because I think this is one of the biggest things for us as a church family, it's important is that we say that you are not alone. We never want our church family, the body that God has set us in, to feel like they're going through a storm by themselves. Like somehow their storm, well, that's their storm. We want to be a body that says, I see you in your storm, and we do what we can to bring support, encouragement, and help lift up their arms in their storm. And What if we create a culture like that, right? Because the truth is, all of us will probably go through a storm at some point, and so if we reap what we sow, what a beautiful body to be a part of, because we're lifting up one another's arms whenever we're going through storms, rather than, well, I'm going through too much to help anyone. I'm going through too much. People need to help me. That's what Maria was talking about last week, that generosity spirit, where you always see yourself as the one in need, but the Bible tells us to sow, and you reap back what you sow. Amen. The Bible says, Do not be overcome by evil, but you overcome evil by doing good. Give away that which you need. If you need a harvest in something, sow a seed in that area. You lift up other people's arms, make that your calling, make that your practice, right? Lift up everybody else's arms. <laughs> lift up other people's arms. Let them be seen. Find people and say, I see you. Let's make that our practice and part of our mission. And God is with you. So I, meant, I was meant to tell you two things in that. You're not alone church. You are not alone. We're not perfect, so you're going to have to let us know when you are in need, because though we hear by the Holy Spirit, we can miss it, and we may not know the need that you have. One of the things that I get really troubled with is when I hear about a need like a month after it happened, right? We need to be forthcoming when you're going through something that doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. Come on, when you share your need. doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. Come on. It's the journey we're on, That's why these prayer teams are good. You can share what's going on in those things. And if, if they have information that could maybe benefit where we can bring some team into your life or bring some resource or something, we share, we care. All those things need to happen. But you are not alone is one thing. And the second thing is God is with you. God is with you. Listen to me. In the middle of that storm, in the middle of that battle, in the middle of that trouble, do not underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of you. This is not you, the child of God, out there in the ocean in a storm alone. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. Amen. God Himself is in you. He's not out there somewhere. He is in here with you, walking with you. He resides in you. You are filled to the full till you overflow with the presence of Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Amen. That's important because sometimes we think it's like a religious stamp, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. No, it's an empowerment. It's an empowerment to overcome. It's an empowerment to know what to do. You are not going through the storm just as a human being. You're going through a storm empowered and filled with God himself. So what's the wisdom of God in this storm? You know what's cool is you have access to the mind of Christ. I don't know what's going on. I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost my job. I, this negative report. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I can get with God and He can give me understanding. He can give me knowledge. Are you hearing me? You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's comfort. He's your comforter. So you're not going through it like a normal human being. You're not a mere mortal. You are filled with the Spirit of God. There are benefits and privileges to being a child of God, and it's not just you go to church. You're filled with the kingdom. You're filled with God himself. You have a comfort that comes from God himself. Amen. You have a comfort. He's your standby. He's your advocate. He's your wisdom. He's your power. He's your ability. He's your strengthener. These are realities. These aren't just church words that that we just get excited about. The Bible tells us these things. Everything I said is a scripture. You are filled with God himself. You are not alone. You do not face storms like the rest of the world faces storms. You're not a mere human abandoned by God saying, I'll see you when you get to heaven. God himself fills your life. Amen. Finally, last, last encouragement is to us, the body. I want to speak to all of us, the body, and then we'll be finished. We'll pray. All of us, the body, we want to be a good church. How many of you want to be a really good church? I do. Raise your hand. If you want to be a good church, seriously, do what I'm asking you to do. Raise your hand. Make a commitment. <laughs> I want to be a good church. The first step into being a good church, a great church, is every one of the building blocks of that church, which is you and me, do all we can to make it a great church. People want to go to a great church, but you've got to be a member, a part of that great church, and then contribute towards making it a great church to make it a great church. A church will not become great on its own. It's people making a choice to make it a great church. (laughs) Amen, And, and, and having follow through action to make it a great church. And so when we have need and people are going through storms, these are the things where we have opportunity then to be the Jesus with skin on, as my mentor used to say. Be his hands, his feet and all those things, and I believe this church has that heart to be a great church. So what do we do when people go through trouble? Because sometimes we don't do anything because we don't know what to do. There are people who say, I want to come meet, you know, your son, but I'm nervous of what to say because he's in a wheelchair and he has communication disabilities and all these different things. We have people who say, someone just got a divorce. I just don't know what to say to them someone lost a spouse, I just don't know what to do, I just don't know what to say. And so then we don't do anything, which makes them feel alone. Are you hearing me, church? And we don't want them to feel alone, we just don't want to hurt them. And so in not doing anything, we end up hurting them. Because storms happen, storms rise, storms come, and we have to know what to do. I believe we have the heart But what should we do pastor give us some thoughts on that romans chapter 12 verse 15 be happy with those who are happy weep with those who weep share in people's celebration like we said in the beginning of the service some of you praise god for all the property that was spared i'm i'm grateful we can be grateful that you had power and that you didn't lose property, and that's okay to celebrate. Let's celebrate one more time. God, we are thankful for protection of stuff. But that doesn't mean that you can't be touched and compassionate for those who lost things. You're like, well, I didn't lose anything, so I I don't wanna reach out. That's the lie of the enemy right there. You say, hey, can you, Do you need something? I have a, a pantry full of food. Can I share it with you? You need a shower? Come on over. I know you don't have any running water. Come on over. Let me help you. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Just because you're healthy doesn't mean you can't sit on the bedside of someone who isn't. And you can say, I'm sorry, but I'm here. I'm listening. I'm with you. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. It's all of our job to care for each other. Please don't delegate that just to the pastoral staff, though we should be and we want to be a really great pastoral team. But there's no way that we can be there for every single person. And a healthy church is all the body looking out for one another, helping one another. That's why home groups are a big deal. Come on now, Calvary groups. We wanna get you in a What I love are Calvary group leaders already, before we even ask them, we're already calling down their lists. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? That's the power of a Calvary group in your local community. Isn't that great? Praise God for that. All the members care for one another. If one part suffer, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. There's no competition here, my friends. There's gonna be seasons where you're doing awesome and seasons where I'm doing awesome. Seasons where you may not be doing as awesome and seasons where I'm not doing that great. And we are able to be honest with each other, to reach out to one another, to not leave each other alone because we feel intimidated by somebody's crisis. Take the initiative, make the phone call, ask how they're doing, what can I do? Are you hearing me, church? Galatians chapter 6, 2-3, through three, share each other's burdens, in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love it when the Bible just slaps you in the face, isn't that good? <laughs> Pastor Kevin, what do we have that can make a difference? That's another one of our mindsets, is one is like, I don't have the same pain, I don't have the same story, how can I help someone who has that much pain? You don't have to match pain stories. Are you understanding that? You don't have to have a worse situation in order to go talk to somebody who's going through a bad situation. The love is that you're willing to sit with them in the middle of their story. It's not that your story, who would want someone else's story to be worse than their story? Right? Like, that's terrible. Oh, I want you to talk to me unless your life was worse than my life. That's ridiculous. What they're looking for is just somebody to make sure that they're seen and be yourself. And you don't have to sit there and even make up stories like, well, you're going through this. Well, I went through that. Just don't even talk about you. How about that? How about you just go and you just be there? What can I do to help you? Right? Pastor Kevin, what do I have? I don't have anything to make such a difference. Again, I go back to Maria's message last week of culture of generosity. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter said, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but that which I have, I give to you. That's all God ever asks for, isn't to give what you don't have, but to give what you do have. You may not have matching stories, but you have the gift of yourself and a listening ear and a comforting arm and maybe you can serve, help clean up a little bit around the house, help bring some food. Are you understanding? Stop looking at what you don't have and take what you do have. Amen. That which I have, I give to you. Luke chapter three, verse 11, just simple verse. If you have two shirts, give one, right? Simple math, give one. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Beyond food and clothes, some things to write down in your notes, things that you do have, that all of us do have, be present. Be a good listener. Be a reminder of God's faithfulness. That's a big one, please, make sure you're writing these things down, I'm almost done, listen. (sighs) Because it's one thing to just listen to people's story and hurt and need, but we're not meant to just listen we're meant to also point them back to Jesus, point them back to the Word of God. That's why we started today with promises from God's Word because we never want to leave people in a place of pain. We want to connect them to the promises of God. We want to connect them to the testimonies. Are you understanding that? If you just listen, and it's good to listen. I'm not saying preach at them. I'm not saying, like, they're sharing their heart, and you're like, oh, the Word says, uh, God says, uh," Like, listen, ah. Stop it. Ah. Be a listener. Let them share their story. But then you can make a comment or two and say, I'm gonna be praying for you about that. It reminds me of a scripture when Jesus did this. Do you see how that's not judgy? But yet you're not leaving them just complaining or just sharing the fear. But you're able to, or you know what? My grandmother went through a time where she had this sickness or this, and you know, we didn't know how God was gonna do it, but God provided in that, and you can share a story without being all preachy, but you're not just leaving them with just, well, I'm just here to listen, you're also there to breathe life, and you breathe life through sharing testimony and sharing scripture, amen. And then finally, last thought, treat them the way you would wanna be treated in this situation, and you don't wanna be preached at, and you don't want to be told all the things you're doing wrong. Amen. You need encouragement. You need presence. You need truth. You need kindness. You need some help. Whatever can be of help. Was that good today? All right, church, let's stand. Let's close in a word of prayer. I'm going to encourage you to be watching through the Calvary Orlando app on ways to get involved to help people to bring food or like get the bags on your way out and fill those bags up. Please please do that. Some of the trips we might take to Fort Myers, get signed up for those things, packing food at Second Harvest, all that stuff will be on the app. So just be watching on the app as we communicate needs as they continue to come to us over the weeks to come. I want to give you opportunity today in just a minute to give your heart to the Lord. He loves you and he wants to be able to walk with you through this life. We talked about that. You're not alone, but you need to surrender your heart to Jesus so that he can be with you in each and every storm. I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna pray over you the word I just spoke, and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your savior. So if I could just keep you from moving for the next 30 seconds, ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you take this word about storms and you encourage us. Storms do come, they arise quickly. Sometimes they're spiritually motivated. Sometimes other people cause these storms. Sometimes it's just life. But God, I thank you that the vision, mission, purposes of God will prevail in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I thank you our life is not boiled down to one storm, one giant, one moment. The call of God, the plan of God in our life is greater and beyond whatever it is we're going through right now. I bless this house. I bless them to grow, increase, and bring the kingdom of God. I thank you for revival on the other side of any storm that they're walking through. I thank you for kingdom harvest, kingdom advancement, fulfillment of purpose and calling upon their lives. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say a big amen. 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 (laughs) Now, I want to give opportunity to those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we all need a savior. The wages and penalty of that sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible even tells us how. It says, all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we are saved from the sin, but we're also saved into the family of God. And so today, if you have never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, let's do it today. Or you may say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with the Lord, but I walked away. I I grew cold, but I'd like to recommit myself afresh to Jesus today. Would you pray for me? I want you all to bow your heads, close your eyes one more time. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if that is you and you are ready to make a decision to commit your life and call upon Jesus for the first time, or to say, I wanna recommit myself to Jesus. When I count to three, just raise your hand right where you are, we'll pray for you right at your seat. Ready, let's do this. One, two, three, raise your hand if you need to get right with God. There's one hand right there, awesome. Two hands over there, great. Keep them up high so I can see them. Anybody else? Three, thank you. Anyone else? Put them up, four in the back, awesome. Praise God. Let's not do this alone, let's do it with the Lord, amen. Four, anyone else? Five, thank you, awesome. Praise God. Praise God, all right. All right, church, maybe I missed your hand. Maybe you're raising your hand at home. Let's pray together, would you? Let's pray for all of these that raised their hand. If you raise your hand today, would you repeat this prayer after me? Church, pray it with them so they're not praying by themselves. Just with the simple faith in your heart, repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned, and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new, fill me with your Holy Spirit, take every part of me now, be my God. Thank you for saving me into the family of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you celebrate those five or so? Praise God. Welcome home. Thank you for listening.